we try to get together often, so at least two to three times a year. We also have a bit of luck that some of the people we hired were previous friends from other country managers. So we, we trust our employees and their judgment. Uh, this has been quite key and worked very well. and welcome to International Corner, the podcast that helps you open and thrive in foreign markets. This is Tiff here speaking, and today I'm officially getting season two started. I'm receiving here Vince Juan, VP EMEA at YFIRST. They started their global expansion journey seven years ago with the UK and Spain, and now they're scaling a total of five countries. From his key hiring aspects to consider, to his team get-together routine, Vince will share his best tips to successfully scale multiple countries at the same time. Enjoy this episode. Hi, Vince. So pleased to receive you here uh, in the International Corner Podcast. How are you doing? Hello. I'm good, good. Thank you for having me. Really pleased to be there, Tiff. Of course, my pleasure. So this is the first episode of season two of this podcast. I'm very excited because I want to try something new. And at the beginning, I want to introduce this new concept called the icebreaker. Um, so basically, just imagine you have a dice uh, in between your hand and you throw it on the floor. Just give me a number uh, between one and six. And this will give you a question that you would have to answer. Well, number three, then. Number three, so can you share with us uh, the toughest moments the, or the period you had to go through this year in your job regarding global expansion? Uh, many, I would say. At the moment, uh, one of the toughest was a chipset shortage. So obviously, we are a hardware um, provider, so a chipset shortage made, made all life really difficult. We, we had to gather quite a lot of uh, yeah, different components and try to, to get new people and companies on board. So that's, that has been a quite tough, challenging uh, thing to, to do through the, through the year. But we managed it. All right. And did, like, how did it impact, I would say, your global expansion plans? It's slow. It slowed down a bit uh, on our side because we had to focus a bit more on the technicals and on the expansion side so on the sales and other things uh, so we had to adapt all the teams internally and yeah it was quite a lot of new technologies to, to embark and to embrace so a lot of learning uh, for everybody so that's why it slowed down a bit as a business but overall yeah it, I think we, we took it as an advantage in the end because we are one of the only guys in this industry to now have several vendors and providers with us. Okay, sounds good. All right, well, let's let's maybe like dig into uh, more challenges I get through this podcast, but perhaps before getting into today's matter, could you introduce yourself a little bit? Why first then, and your role there? Yeah, good. Uh, so my name is Vince. I've been with uh, Wife First for the last 10 years almost. So I started, the company was pretty, not small, but we were just 40 to 45 people. Uh, now we are 300. 
the company as it is, we are an ISP, so Internet Service Provider and MSP, Managed Service Provider, uh, meaning we provide um, infrastructure and Wi-Fi services to B2B customers. So we don't deal with uh, B2C, but mainly big companies uh, like hotels, student accommodation, retailers, and all those kind of people. All right, very clear. And and your role in there specifically? Uh, my role uh, over the years, I've climbed up the ladder. Let's call it uh, this way. Now I'm in charge of uh, European expansion, so I'm uh, VP EMEA uh, for Wi First, and I've got yeah few teams to to manage across Europe. So one in Berlin, one in Milan. I'm also heavily involved with the UK department and Spanish department. So one in London and one in Barcelona. All right, so quite an international exposure, and which is why we're going to dig into this today. Um, could you perhaps, just for the audience to understand a little bit more, what is it that you guys sell? Can you walk us through yeah. your business model, maybe describing us a little bit more about your ICP, ideal customer profile, average deal size, sales cycle lens, perhaps to give us some, uh-huh. some, some ideas? Yeah, obviously. Uh, so we do Wi-Fi as a service. Uh, pretty simple. You take a huge building or real estate, or ICP would be hoteliers, student accommodation, retailers, so big corporate companies uh, who are not heavily involved with the IT world or the radio frequencies world. So we provide Wi-Fi for them. We install, manage, and take all the quality of service behind it for them on their behalf. Uh, meaning our business model is basically we do a full OPEX. So it's a monthly fee you pay and we take care of your service for the whole duration of the contract. Uh, we also sometimes can invest a bit of CapEx depending on the customers and mm-hmm. what they want to invest. Uh, but we take this into consideration. Um, so this is, yeah, the brands like Accor, for example, is a really big customer of us. We do the French Army as well. It's another big customer because they have a lot of barracks uh, in France and outside France. So we are the only one managing that service for them. Uh, we do uh, banks, uh, lots of retailers, insurance companies, every everybody, I would say. The average deal size, I would say there is no limit. Uh, minimum would be about 40k euros uh, per deal and so that's uh, that's some annual recurring re- revenue uh, it's a TCO total contract of oh, okay. ownership or TCV uh, that's a full value of the contract over a period of three to five years on average okay, okay. Uh, so this is uh, the minimum, about 40K, and the okay. maximum could be a few millions, up to a few hundred millions, depending on the size of the customer and the, the portfolio. If a customer has many thousands of point of sales, for example, or hotels, uh, yeah, it can be a few millions uh, of turnover. Um, the cycle length, it's... Quite interesting question because obviously we provide infrastructures and the hardware can last many years mm-hmm. uh, from five to seven years on average. Your hardware and your Wi Fi um, access points can last, yeah, that 
that duration. Uh, but on the average for us, it would be about six months for a sales cycle to last mm-hmm. from six months to one year to, 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 to make sure we can enter with the customer, uh, try to tailor a solution for them and then sign the deal. Yeah, that can take six to one year. Six to one year. Okay. All right. Uh, very clear. And so you said that you are you already uh, mentioned a few countries, but can you perhaps detail what's the international scope looking like right now? Like how many countries you guys are you uh, are you guys in? Yeah. So we are operating in about thirty countries, so three zero um, across Europe, Middle East, and Africa. Mm-hmm. We, in fact, follow all customers, meaning if some of them have a portfolio of assets in different countries, we follow them and help them in those countries. So we operate in total in about 30 countries. Um, actively and heavily involved, today we have uh, five offices. Okay. So the main headquarter being Paris. Then we have uh, Spain and UK. So Barcelona and London, which are the, the most advanced. And then we will have two new countries that we started in 2022, which are Berlin in Germany and Milan in Italy. All right. So that's so that's where you have settled your operations and you're actively, I would say, seeking customers in those countries. Yes, yes. We, we have been following our customers uh, proactively. Now we want to invest more. So time, uh, people, manpower, everything to be also closer to our customers because we see there is like more demand. Now it's just a question of, okay, having a snowball effect, we have few sites. Now let's push a bit further, invest a bit more uh, and have properly uh, a team set up over there to focus heavily on each market because mm-hmm. obviously they all have different yeah um, definitions uh, as such because every yeah for example German people and Italian people they don't have the same way of doing business and if you don't have local people who properly understand the the, the, the relationship to be built it's gonna be much slower for you to to go faster. Okay, very clear. And how easy is it for you to, when you say you launch a country, like how easy is it for you? Because you said uh, you're you're globally, virtually selling to 30 countries. So do you have Uh some some specific barriers or it's literally just, oh, we have someone that's requesting, you know, our uh, infrastructure so we can just go there basically and then and then sell it. What what I mean is that if tomorrow I don't know someone from Singapore calls and you have let's say you have like a new customer there, can you actually just service them and then sell them? No, we we won't have that issue. And yes, we will go and go try to sell to this country. So at the moment, okay. uh, that's a good uh, good point. I'm talking with a um, a company in Bangkok, and they are keen to to continue with us. So it's. Worldwide, we can operate because we okay. are using the cloud. So there is no barrier in terms of technologies and assets. It's more, yeah. Do we want to go and do we want to, to engage with that customer? Mm. Yes or no? And how much is the return on the investment? 
Okay, sounds good. So perhaps let's, uh, you spoke about Germany, the UK, Spain, Italy, I mean, you know, uh, outside of France, like, could we perhaps try to get like a picture of the stage of growth of each country? Could you perhaps tell us uh, what's the state of the operation in, in each country? How big is the team perhaps? And if you have some ideas of, I don't know how many customers or turnover that's generated there in, in, in each yeah. of them? Exactly. Um, so France is uh, the main market. We have been uh, there and operating for the last 20 years. That's when we started the business. Um, since uh, then, we started seven years ago with uh, Spain and UK. So we opened two offices, uh, tra trying to launch properly each market, mm -hmm. uh, understanding what was the, the requirements from other customers and which verticals uh, were the best. So between hospitality, student accommodation, or other things. Uh, so we started seven years ago. Now each team in the UK, we are seven. In Spain, we are four and growing. So meaning we try to focus on sales and marketing uh, teams locally because that's what we really need. Everything in terms of uh, technical or operational is done by France. So everything is sold locally, but then managed by the teams uh, remotely from France and Paris. Okay. Obviously, we outsource some of the actions to Uh, subcontractors. So it's also very important to, for us to have the right uh, partners and for them to have the right skills because otherwise, if they cannot support us, uh, we lose a lot of interest and there is no uh, higher return on the investment. Partners are, uh, are your partners local in, in each country? Yes. Okay. Yes. We, we, we need partners to be local to understand as well the culture uh, to be able to speak the language that uh, most and foremost the, the really important things um, and yeah we also want to give them the ability to connect with a, a brand because today Wildfest is kind of a brand uh, we want them to be able to rely on us and be able to upsell some of our products so if tomorrow they bring us a lead and say look i've got this new hotel who wants a solution can you do it obviously we'll do it with them and we'll try to push as much as possible making sure it's a win-win relationship not just one way how big is the team in each country right like uh, uh when you when you started so you mentioned uk you mentioned spain italy germany i'm, I'm living in a french side but like how big is the team in, in each of these countries So UK is seven, Spain, we are four, soon to be five. Germany, we are one, soon to be three. So in okay. 2023, we'll have two new people. Uh, Italy, we are two and soon we'll be three as well. Okay. And regarding what you guys have managed to generate so far, uh, like mm -hmm. how does that look like in, in, in each country? Uh, I don't know if you have a few numbers in terms of whatever customers okay. or turnover that, that you could perhaps share. Yeah, in total... It's not really massive compared to, to France, which today generates about 75 million turnover. Mm -hmm. So there is a big gap, obviously, between the, the countries. But the aim is for the international as a whole to grab a bit more uh, traction and have a bit more weight within the global turnover. 
Obviously. And everyone knows when we talk about global expansion, it takes time and we know it. Yeah. So I think it's it's also it depends on the stage of growth. And and from what I understood from our previous conversation, it's it should only go uh, increasingly well for you guys. You're dealing with four countries outside of France to actually scale. What are for you the key aspects uh, you consider when it uh, when it comes to I would say global expansion and you want to scale several countries at the same time? Like, what are the key aspects for you that that you mm. consider? Really good question. Um, one of the the, the key thing is when. We hire people, and I <clears throat> go through the um, recruitment process. Uh, is to see the soft skills of each people, making sure they fit with the mindset of the company, but also with my way of doing things. It's pretty intense. Uh, we we need to to make sure there is a good relationship that's being built from day one. Uh, I put a lot on the trust for my teams and for them just to thrive and be able to do by themselves or replicate what I'm doing. That's if you have a scaling up mindset, that's what you need to focus on. Uh, to be able then to, to, to copy paste each processes. So first hiring on the right people and then communication is really key. Vince, just like one quick question on uh, because you mentioned people like soft skills and I think it's so important. Do you have some tips perhaps that helps you during interviews see or 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 guess that that person could have the right uh, capabilities or the right skill set, soft skill set to actually fit? Yeah, during the hiring process, I'm I'm not focusing on the the duration of the process. For me, you can have a um, an interview which can last 30 minutes, but I will be super happy with 30 minutes because we'll go straight to the point. You will understand what I want. And it's not just like faffing around just for making an interview. Mm-hmm. I'm also asking sometimes to create a small uh, deck where you present few things and we discuss about this. And I want to see how you present it. My last advice, and that's some advices I've had from my uncle, he told me, would you like to go grab a beer with that guy at the end of the, hmm. of the interview? If your answer is yes, well, that means you can already fit and have a good conversation and continue that conversation. If you don't feel the, the, the fit, you will see it straight away. So it's a simple question, but yeah, just ask yourself, do you want to go and grab a beer with that guy or not? All right, really because simple. because uh, one of the one of the examples that you gave me last time we spoke to each other, and I think it was quite interesting, was uh, um, I forgot in which country, but you mentioned like one of your guys, and then you actually hired that person, but that person did not speci- specifically have the I would say like yeah. the right hard skills, but then you still hired that that yeah. person anyway, and it turned out to be like a great hire. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was in the UK. So we 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 had a um, for a technical guy, we had a lot of uh, different person to interview. The the process was really good, uh, but we were not sure because obviously some people sometimes they are a bit shy or they are a bit completely stressed, and you don't see it, and that's normal for everybody. So that's why don't focus just on one time during thirty minutes when in fact this person will work for you for many many years potentially uh and 
In fact, after the interview, I just said, we need to give him a chance and we will see. But I think there is something going on and it will be a right fit. And in the end, he just like completely brilliant. He has been with us for the last two years now and we are giving him more and more opportunities. And he's just like just a, a shy person, let's say, or with maybe a low confidence. But still, now he's building his confidence and we can see it every day. Mm. So just like try to focus on the global picture, not just on 30 minutes during an interview. <laughs> Sounds good. So sorry, uh, I cut you there. So you said soft skills as a first uh, aspect. Second, you said communication. Yeah, communication, uh, very important. Uh, I would say I've got maybe 10, 15 WhatsApp groups uh, on my phone, but I'm trying to be with them, uh, but talking business, obviously, but sometimes also talking about um all the stuff not trying to be too much into family or private things but n try to learn uh, and know them that's quite important because they will feel okay they belong to the company and to your group as a whole uh, and they are not just a number within a company that's not a, a good way i would say to do to mm -hmm. think All right. Uh, so you said soft skills, communication. Do you have other aspects, key aspects for you that are important to consider when you scale several countries at the same time? Uh, flexibility, very important. Flexibility because it's also for me uh, a very important skill uh, to have. You never know what each market or country will hold for you. So you need to be flexible and make sure you can adapt easily uh, and sometimes we need to be beyond the boundaries uh, thinking further how to scale up this process or this one why don't we want to implement this product versus another so it's always okay take one take the other and try to see which one is best do you have a precise example first of uh, a process or or you know like a product whatever that you had to adapt in different circumstances To illustrate uh, what you just said, yeah, completely. We we have a uh, products that we we sell to hotels, for example, uh, and some we are just not able to sell some specific hardware in some countries because it's not allowed. Just basic and simple. So okay, how do we make business if we are not able to to sell this? Then we have to adapt and create new. Um, new internal products, new PNLs, new ways of selling because obviously it's not the same price point. So there is plenty of different things to, to adapt. And that's part of the flexibility uh, that we need uh, within the different people of the team. Okay, very clear. So did you have any other aspects in mind or for you those are like the three main important aspects to consider? I would say on the softs, yeah, that's the three main uh, aspects I'm looking for. Uh, then on the hard skill, obviously, we, we are IT guys and, let's say, geeks or nerds for some of them. Uh, you need to understand a bit of networking, but that's part of the hard skills, I would say. Mm. Okay, um, very clear. And because you have, I would say, different countries and different teams, how do you foster cross-country collaboration? I visit them quite a lot uh, 
this year I've been yes, several times to Germany, several times to Spain, Italy. Obviously, I'm based in London, so it's easy to, to stay with the team. Um, yeah, you, you need to, sh- to, to teach by, sh- yeah, by example and by showing them. So it's, I, I quite like to, to go, see how they do, present my way of doing a presentation, for example, to a customer, and then I want to see how they do and how they will react. Uh, sometimes I can also learn from them, and that's completely fine. I'm not saying I know everything, and I will never, but I want to be taught, and I want to teach. So it's just a complete win-win uh, relationship we need to build. Uh, once they feel this confidence, it's also a matter of listening mm-hmm. and what they have to bring to the table. To create this uh, cross-country now, we try to get together often. So at least two to three times a year, we go okay. all to Paris to discuss and to meet. Uh, we also have a bit of luck, but some of the people we hired were previous friends from other country managers. So we had people coming from, yeah, relationship. I know that guy. Can you talk to him? He might be a good fit. Okay, let's do it. So we we trust our employees and their judgment. Uh, this has been quite key and worked very well. But we also want them to discuss between them at different levels. So all the country managers speak to together, all the operation managers speak together. So we try to create these layers to have a clear communication, but being uh, horizontal conversations. And is that something that you orchestrate or is that something that they are fully autonomous to do and they have their own weeklies or whatsoever? So autonomous, they have uh, sometimes their own stuff. And if we need to go a bit more deeply into specific projects, I will try to, to, to get involved. But I'm now thinking that they need to be autonomous and they don't need me every time. And I cannot be everywhere every time because... Mm-hmm. I've got other stuff to do, unfortunately. <laughs> All right. So in between each other, they have some sort of weekly checkpoints then, depending on if they're country manager, operation manager. You said exactly. uh, two, three times a year, you all get together in Paris. And how often yourself do you go to each country? Once uh, every six weeks. Okay. I'm trying to, to travel, sometimes more. Uh, but yeah, I'm trying to give a, a pace of one every six weeks. So it gives us time to, to check what has been done for the last month and a half, uh, what needs to be done for the next month and a half. So it's a good um, good average. Yeah, I was about to ask you, like, how does your like each visit look like if you have a like, specific agenda and it's just internal, if you go to customer meetings with them? Everything. <laughs> I'm trying to, <laughs> to make it really uh, efficient and uh, cost-effective. Uh, when I visit them, I take the opportunity because there is a big event. I don't know, with partners creating something or new launch product. Uh, so it's really depending the, the occasion. Uh, I take this as a base, but I also ask each country managers to set up meetings with partners, with customers, And we try to really dig in. So sometimes, because we're doing installations for customers, I'm also going to sites because that's where you see properly what's going on. If the subcontractors are doing their job properly or if we need to speak to the customers because there is issues or they are just like, 
okay, let's continue to discuss business. So it's sometimes it's a bit weird, but just showing your face increases the confidence in everybody. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think it's really important for you to, to try to go to, to, to those countries and show that you're here to support all your teams. Okay. Okay. So that's, uh, so that's something you said you do like every, every six weeks, basically you're in a different country. Yeah. 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 Sounds good. So again, there's like four countries besides France. And you said that uh, basically UK and Spain uh, are countries that are a little bit more, I would say at a later growth stage than is, than are Germany and Italy. How different is it for you like to manage countries in, I would say the growth stage versus like the scale stage? Like, did you see any difference there? Yeah, that was uh, very interesting because I obviously helped on scaling up UK. Uh, when we started seven years ago, I was part of the team uh, building and just like the first guy on the ground. So I've seen what it takes to completely scale and build a new country. We had the same with Spain, so we were both launching together. Now, for Italy and Germany, we want to have them at a faster pace and avoid all the issues we had in the past. So all these learnings, we try to give it to them straight away so they don't waste time and we yeah, basically try to cut corners. But we do it in a in a good and fashion way. Now we also want those two countries to keep up with the pace, and almost I hope within the next two years they will be at the same level as Spain and UK because all the technical and operational will be learned, and it will be just a matter of scaling on the sales. So right. at some point the, the four countries will be head to head. Okay, and. I would say in if we speak about weekly interactions that you might have with um with uh, Germany and Italy versus uh what's what's happening you know with like Spain and and in the UK are there any differences in the way you manage the country managers in the way you guys have like one on ones uh you know in the way you deep dive into uh into what's going on uh there because because they are like a different growth stages I'm just yeah. uh you know Imagining that it must be different. Yeah, I I sometimes have to adapt to to those guys because obviously we we could try to launch everything all in one go, but in the end you you will just have a result of a messy and patchy interactions. So obviously mm-hmm. I need to 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 keep in mind that some are faster, some are slower, and that's how you need to adapt their pace and make sure. Okay, now you're going to get two new headcounts in your team okay how much can we achieve and how fast can you reach that level so that's what i'm keeping the pulse um, on each country making sure they interact together they keep the same pace and they have a dynamic uh, stage together because otherwise it's messy they can start fighting because one is faster one has no time to 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 allocate to the other mm-hmm. um, so that's that's uh, I, I don't want really to to have them fighting against each other it's more okay let's try to build and step up together okay and is that like how easy i would say is that for you to uh to manage expectations because 
you know, when you compare yourself to countries that are more mature, then you then you, then you might think, oh my God, it's so slow. We also know that maybe a country like Italy uh, has, you know, like some ec uh, economical c conditions that are different from a country like the UK. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Each country is completely different. So some are more mature, some have way more competitors, uh, some have way more market shares depending the size of the country. So that's all the data we try to gather and understand before launching a country. Mm -hmm. Once we have this, we just tell to each country manager, okay, that's your plan. You need to do this number, this number by the end of the year. How do we do it? It's also a big work we need to do with the marketing team because we want them to generate enough leads uh, to support on the communication, on the brand visibility and all the stuff. Because if you don't have this, you can start from really, really far and still remain behind. You need a big team behind you. And that's why France is really crucial for us because we need their support. And vice versa, they also need our support from the international for this brand visibility and this global vision from all customers. That's, that's actually quite interesting. So if we just um, backtrack a little bit there, every time you launch a new country, like what's on the table you said brand visibility so do you like do you start with like a marketing package like how aggressive are you on that side because you know depending on each company sometimes launching a country just means okay this is about work guys so you go ahead and then just you know uh, on your own you should just phone people no. and then try try to make it happen <laughs> no 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 we we could but um we we are lucky we have a comprehensive ceo and marketing team uh Today, we also need to understand that we burn cash. Uh, and we could be having someone saying, no, we just want to launch, but you do all the launch without any budget, without any marketing. You just do it on your own. Okay. But that will be slow and painful. On the other side, we have a bit more uh, acceleration by having this cash and money. Uh, so that's really interesting. And it's a matter of we want to be seen as a global company with a strong footprint and, yeah, kind of as a family within different countries. So we prefer to team up rather than being separated from each country because otherwise, yeah, it's going to be completely painful to continue this, uh, this growth. And, yeah, together you are definitely stronger. That's for sure. So if we if we take uh, the precise example of uh, of Italy and, and Germany today, like yeah. what's what's the mix? Um, how much is outbound? I would say like lead versus inbound lead right now in terms of business generated. Very interesting. Uh, yeah, I could say it's a kind of fifty fifty inbound okay. and uh, outbound. Um, we have obviously a legacy of customers, so mm -hmm. that's part of yeah what, what's uh, being generated and uh, easy to to track but we also want to to generate lots of leads by the marketing um, we also have the maturity of the country so germany it's crazy but they are quite behind in terms of connectivity solutions mm -hmm. compared to france and the uk which are well developed so now is definitely the right time to be in Germany because there is a lot of demand. So that's an easy point. 
In Italy, if you see the, the country, they are also quite behind. I would say three and five years behind compared to France. But the market is really fragmented. Uh, so you will have smaller players and one guy will know another one that will make an introduction just because they know each other. So it's mm. more a word-to-mouth communication that you can make. And if you are noon from one guy who knows the other guy, then you might have more... Um, it might be more easy for you to, to close the deal rather than having to, to deep dive into the headquarter, trying to, to speak with everybody. So all markets are really different, but it's a really must, uh, must known, I would say. And, okay, I, I wanted to come back on two points that you mentioned earlier. The first, it was a few minutes ago, you said that Um, because of what you guys have done uh, in Spain and in the UK, you learned some some things that you taught, right? Like the newer countries so that you could go faster in terms of scaling yeah. them up. Could you share a few examples? Yeah. Uh, investing a bit more in terms of cash in marketing events, in databases, stuff like that. So that was a key learning. Uh, for us to launch uh, Germany and Italy. So we knew we had to, to put a bit more money on the table. Second point and second important learning is when you launch a new country, just do it, but with a team of two people. Don't start alone because alone, it's really difficult sometimes. Well, Your country manager, for example, he needs to go on holidays. Who is taking, who, who is a backup? If he has any situation, you need to be ready to have a backup. Plus, when they team up, the country manager can give some tasks and vice versa, and they will support each other. So they will have someone to, to, to speak to and to relay to. Uh, what we try to do is usually to have a country manager, so focusing as a small managing director on the country. Mm -hmm. And having a small, we call them uh, SAK for Swiss Army Knife, a guy who can do absolutely <laughs> everything. So not heavily focusing on the IT, but understands a bit the, the, the IT world, but can do a bit of marketing, a bit of sales. Like if he needs to pick up the phone and do cold calling, he can do it. And he's very, very flexible. So we don't want specialists. We want some someone completely wide open and able to, to do lots of different things and tasks. I think that that resonates a lot with uh, other discussion I've had here in this podcast around the fact that that first person, the country manager or however you want to call it, it has to be someone very flexible that can wear different hats, I would say, just like you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like running your own business. So you need to understand the marketing, the legal side, the financial side. And commercial is the most important, but you need to understand how to, to, to run your offers. Do you, do, you, do you take someone from the country every time? So if it's in Italy, it's an Italian or do you, I don't know, do you, do you, do like, do you try to look for like bi-nationals? Like I would say yes. I would say yes, because they have the, the culture and they have the understanding of the language. Sometimes there is like tricky words that even though you would be French and completely or fluently speaking German, you will not have that keyword that someone will say or that accent that someone will, will have. Uh, for example, in Germany, we are super lucky, but Alex, he is 
German, born in Berlin, but also has been raised in Vienna. So he's got this Austrian accent mm-hmm. that not a lot of people have. So he can deal in that region. But he also speaks English and uh, uh, French. So that's a, a key element because we don't have that barrier issue when they he has to speak to France. And obviously in France now, why first we are more and more English speaking, so we have a lot mm-hmm. of people, but still we have a legacy of employees who don't speak English. So having them to, to speak French as well is really key. Same for okay. the country manager in Italy. Okay, very clear. Uh, very clear on my side. And the, the second aspect I wanted to go back to besides, uh, I would say, like that point was um, the setup of the objective uh, with different countries. We touched upon it just before this podcast, but I'm really interested in digging mm-hmm. into this because what I found is that across the different conversations I've had for many, many companies, it's really hard to just set up objectives that are both challenging and at the same time kind of realistic. So did you guys crack up the code there or like how do you how do you manage that? Yeah, so we we did um obviously we use a smart um acronym to, to create uh, objectives. Uh, but we play on two two sides. One is the financial and the numbers. Okay, that's completely fine. We know what target to, to be put for the year one, year two, and the expectations. But we so also want... Just a quick, quick yeah. question on that. Do you know this because of, I would say, habits of opening countries and then you see a pattern? Is that how you, you talk about financials, year one, two, three? Yes, I think okay. that's yeah, that's now a, a pattern. We we know the the value of each deals. We know how difficult it is to have the first deals as well and to sign them uh, because of the sales cycle, because of the, the the deal size. So all of these are key elements. We we know okay. we are not going to close the, the biggest deal in day one in a new country. That's never going to happen. But we're going to have small bits and pieces because someone knows someone or because we have just done a good job and we have been uh, referenced. So we know the the target for year one. We have a target expected for year two and then so on, depending on the the growth of the country, we then adapt and increase or not uh, that target. Um, So that's first side is on the, the financial. The second is we also put a target on setting up the country properly. So it's more operational, mm-hmm. making sure uh, the country manager is incentivized on getting one or two new people because it's part of the hiring process. So he needs to hire people. He needs to set up the company. He needs to learn the processes and have the first few projects being delivered. So that's why there is two aspects we we want to to put on the table for them. Okay. And so far, I would say in terms of setting up objectives, like there wasn't big gaps, like you never had like any big gaps in the way you thought you were going to achieve a certain year and then the time it actually took to get there. Yeah, and we have been uh, pretty spot on because, uh, yes, we have made the financials. We have made also on the operationals. Mm. So I would say it's a good uh, it's a good learning and we are quite happy to replicate now that scenario and see how, yeah, you can multiply the openings of different countries. Okay, very clear. In Europe or, or other part of the world. Okay, 
uh, very clear. Thank you very much. So there was like a lot of uh, there were a lot of I uh, would say key learnings from this uh, from this episode. Thank you so much, Vince. If that's okay with Thanks you, let's lot. move to that last last part of the of the uh, of the podcast, which is the oops, my bad time. Whoops. My bad. So for the people who turn in the first or tune in the first time here, this is a moment where the guest share shares one setback or one mistake that has happened during the country's opening mission so far. So Vince, do you have maybe one example to share with us so we can learn from it? Uh, my bad time, I would say maybe not mine, but yeah, the the, the Brexit, for example, in the UK that made us. A really hard time uh yeah i hope we won't have any hard stuff like this to 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 go through uh otherwise yeah i think uh there has not been that many really bad time uh during the expansions of the different countries so we're quite happy with that so so how did you deal with like brexit then if you said you know that has impacted you um so we had to to create a, a new path clearly uh, obviously before we were doing all the interactions from France and shipping all the hardware and the kits from our warehouse uh, we had to create a new warehouse from scratch everything to be set up uh, get all the new suppliers onboarded find suppliers in the UK as well um, so that was a the, the, tricky bit i would say which was really painful because we also had only three months to make it and you need to think that this was at the time when all the trucks and the lorry drivers uh in the uk two years ago were just like taking so long to go from europe to the uk so Mm -hmm. there was quite a lot of yeah difficult scenarios to to think of and uh, the time for deliveries were completely out of the roof so it's been a yeah very challenging but we managed it and uh, now we can say yeah we have two new two warehouses running uh, in power island <laughs> okay sounds good well that's a way at least now you guys have uk operation and it's it's running smoothly so exactly. that's that's exactly. the that's the important point well, Vince, thank you again so much for all your insights today that you shared with us. I hope that our listeners managed to learn some things. I know I did. So thank you again. And I guess just have to tell you until next time. Thanks a lot, Tiff. It was a pleasure. And yeah, <laughs> definitely. See you next time. See you next time. Thank you so much for listening until the end. If you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe to not miss the next one. And please share it with two people in your network. This is how this podcast gets more visibility and can help more of us to work on international markets. See you soon.